Section 14 of The Sainted Queens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Sainted Queens by Unknown. Saint Clotilde's Queen of the Franks, Chapter 2. It was a bold venture, after all, which the young fugitive had made, to become the wife of a heathen, yet she had no doubt heard enough of his respectful deference for such men as St. Remy to make her hope the best for the effect of her influence on him. Besides, she was not by any means a solitary Christian at her husband's court. All of his Gallic subjects, that is, the natives of the country, which the Franks then occupied, were Christians, although the leaven of Arianism had to a certain extent impaired the integrity of the faith of many among them. The arrival of a Catholic queen at Soissons was an event of the brightest augury for them. They indulged in the fondest hopes that the honest heart of their heathen king would submit to the influence of Christianity, as he saw its spirit so engagingly represented in his incomparable queen. Their hopes were realized in the end, but neither at the time nor in the way that those good souls had anticipated. Clotilde sustained her difficult part with excellent tact and prudence. She made good use of opportunities when they offered, for talking quietly to her husband about religion, without offensively obtruding it on his notice. The first evidence of her growing influence was the permission which he gave her to have their eldest child, Ingomer, baptized. Her trust in Providence must have been sorely tried when God took her infant to himself within a week of his baptism, and when in addition to her own natural sorrow she had to bear the reproaches of her husband as the occasion of her child's death by subjecting it to what he considered a superstitious rite. The broken-hearted mother could only reply by declaring her thankfulness to God for having called the child of hers to his kingdom. By the time that her second child, Clodomir, was born, Clotildis had regained sufficient influence to have him also carried to the baptismal font. Within a day or two after he too sickened like his brother, and Clovis, confirmed in his idea of baptism as a baneful act of magic, could only exclaim, in the bitterness of his disappointment, "'Of course he must die like his brother, since you have had him baptized.' It was a moment of trial for our holy queen, hardly inferior in heaviness to that which demanded from Abraham the sacrifice of his only son. Not only the life of her child, but the chance, so to speak, of her husband's conversion was trembling in the balance. Yet she could do what alone remained for her to do. She asked from God the life of her infant as much for its father's sake as for its own, which indeed was not small to her. Providence was satisfied with the ordeal of suspense endured by the queen. The moment of danger passed safely, and Clodomir lived to be a man. The founder of a race of kings was not disposed, in the pride of his first success, to receive the grace of conversion. It was necessary that he should be taught the uncertain value of human glory before he could humble himself to accept of a religious system which must for some time previously have recommended itself to his understanding. But the time for his conversion was advancing, and at last arrived in the following manner. 
the Alemanni, a warlike tribe of Germany, occupying the right or eastern bank of the Upper Rhine, between the Lake of Constance and Mayence, crossed the river in 496 and attacked Cologne. The Franks in that part of the country lived under Sigebert, with whom Clovis at once made common cause, and gave the invaders battle at Tolbiac. The fortune of war seemed on the point of deserting the standard of Clovis. His army was hard-pressed, and himself in danger of falling into the hands of the enemy. When hopeless rout was impending on the Franks, Clovis cried out in his agony, invoking Jesus Christ, whom Clotilde said was the son of the living God, and vowing that if he gained the day he would worship this Jesus and be baptized in his name. It was a blind sort of venture, thus to stake truth or falsehood on the chance of a battle, yet his rude heart probably intended well, and after the tide of war had turned in his favour, he set about fulfilling his woe in earnest. Passing by toll on his return home, he took along with him Saint Vedast, a holy priest, to instruct him in the Christian religion. Queen Clotilde met him at Reims with a grateful heart, and Saint Remy was invited to admit the king to the rite of baptism. A difficulty yet remained. The Franks were devoted to their idols, and Clovis feared to shake their allegiance to himself if he offered any violence to the objects of their false worship. On the remonstrance of Remy, however, he called his army together, related to them the particulars of his woe on the day of danger before the enemy, and urged them to renounce their idols, which had been unable to help them in emergency. They did not wait till he had finished speaking, but cried out to a man, We renounce them, and will adore the incarnate God whom Remy proclaims. It was then arranged that the ceremony of baptism should be performed on the eve of Christmas in the church of St. Martin, outside the gates of the town, 946. When the auspicious day arrived, a long and beautiful procession wound through the streets of Rheims, singing hymns of joy, till it reached the church, which had been sumptuously decorated for the occasion. St. Remy led Clovis by the hand, Clotildis followed, with an overflowing heart, leading two sisters of her husband. No doubt she felt that the blessed spirit of her little Ingomer was not far off on that day. His bitter death had been the sowing time of this harvest of recompense. The procession closed with three thousand Frank soldiers, the first fruits of their nation to the gospel. On the way, Clovis turned to the bishop and asked him, My father, is this the kingdom of Jesus Christ which you have promised to me? No, my prince, replied St. Remy, it is only the way that leads to it. When they had reached the front, the bishop addressed the royal convert, Bow thy head, O proud Sigambrian, beneath the yoke of the Lord. Worship what thou hast heretobefore burnt, and burn what thou hast worshipped. He then baptized the king in the name of the Holy Trinity, and anointed him with chrism. Albofledis, one of the king's sisters, was also baptized. The other, who was already a Christian, but had adopted the Arian creed, was received back to Catholic communion. The brave men who were companions of the king in the graces of that day were baptized by the bishops and the clergy, whom the great event had brought in numbers to Reims. 
the whole of the following week was devoted to the completion of the king's instruction in religion it is reported that while remy was reading to him the passion of our lord the soldier's nature broke forth in this exclamation if i had only been there with my franks to avenge him end of chapter two of saint clotilde's queen of the franks end of section fourteen